My name is Justin Lohr. And I'm Liam O'Donnell. And you are listening to episode 133 of Horror Business. Horror Business. And today we are joined by a very special guest. The one and only Larry Gargis. No, stop. Stop. <laughs> Gargis. Come on. Gargis from the Bleach Mouth Postscript podcast. As well as a bunch of bands like that are like... All bands that are really good. Like Scarhead, no, Quicksand, Stop, stop, Hoods, stop, stop. <laughs> Cold as Life. L- Larry, have, have, have your bands, have any of your bands toured the country? Is that a thing that's happened? Like I've seen, even before we kind of internet knew each other, I saw the names of some of your bands on flyers, but they were not flyers that let me know if you had ever traveled. So I'm just something I'm curious about. Have you have you toured the country in any of your bands? Don Austin had. Yeah. I mean, okay. Um, okay. That the, makes sense. The the first band I was in, God, it was such a long time ago. We did a record on uh smorgasbord and that kind of like opened the door for me to be able to do other things after I've that. Heard, I've heard know. of smorgasbord records. Yeah. Um, so we, we, I did that band then I did another one called the unholy three, which became Don Austin, uh, after some member changes and stuff. And uh, Don Austin did some touring in the late nineties, early aughts. Um, we did a, did a seven inch on gloom. And then after that took a, took a break from playing in bands for a while. And most recently, the most recent record I did was with a uh, persistent aggressor. We did that one ourselves, just released it. And we're being for about a year or two. And then just kind of the pandemic killed it, but I, I don't think it was meant to be long lived anyway. So yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Uh, although it, it, it's I feel bad for people who for whom the pandemic was the end of their you know creative project, because that kind of feels like you don't really know. Right. Like, it's hard to know what the what the next step was when suddenly the whole world kind of falls apart. That makes it hard to do whatever it is you're going to do. Right. Um, uh, for people, people, I think uh, I hope will know that I was actually a guest on uh Bleach Mouth Postscript, which, by the way, uh, you on that episode, you made sure I knew that this this uh, idea that that you feel like uh, Pat Kinlan pulled out of his butt, that integrity was influenced by Japanese hardcore. That was like a big part of the episode is you schooling me that that was not the case. No, it's not. It's (laughs) it's it's I mean, I've no doubt that those guys listen to it, but I mean. I, I don't feel I don't feel that's any part of their sound, honestly. To me, it's I like, appreciate that. I appreciate least, that. At least the early stuff just to me sounds like um Buck and Chromags, actually. Just filtered yeah, sure, through. Sure, Cleveland. sure, sure. Yeah, so, sure, sure, sure. You know. I know, I think that makes sense. Yeah. So you what were the two movies that you picked for us to discuss today? Count Yorga Vampire and the Abominable Doctor Fibes. <laughs> Okay, Justin. Okay, Justin. <laughs> Just Justin does Justin have a problem with these films? <laughs> no, I actually, I actually, um, or was that just a sinister laugh? To that was a sinister compliment. laugh. The, the abominable. I've never seen. Let me be sh- sh- straight up. 
I had never seen any of these movies. I had heard the names okay. before. Obviously, the Abominable Doctor Fives I knew because of Vincent Price. Um, we'll get to it, but I was like surprisingly frightened. Okay. By the Abominable Doctor Fives, actually, no. Anyone who listens to this show know there's nothing surprising about me being afraid of fucking anything. Yeah, that's um, true. <laughs> I but I didn't expect to be like as like. Um, let's say uh struck and what's weird is i knew i will get there but like that movie um so what you're saying is so what you're saying is at some point during this episode you're going to say the phrase nightmare fuel i don't know if it was like nightmare fuel it was more along the lines of like um because like when i think nightmare fuel i think like um what's a movie that could be nightmare fuel for me I'm kidding because uh, I've listened to a ton of episodes and when you're truly terrified by something. Oh, when I say, yeah. You say Nightmare you, yeah. Fuel. <laughs> I do. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. No, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't like, um, I don't know, like, fuck it, my old fallback. It wasn't like Fire in the Sky, even though, like, I've watched that movie so many times recently that it kind of was, like, been defanged in my mind. Um, but no, there was just, there was, there was something about it that, uh, that really like hit me and I was like, Oh, that's uh, wow. That's for a movie from this time period. And for something that I've, uh, cause I've seen his face, I've seen Dr. Five's face without the Vincent Price mask on. And it, I'm like, okay, that's just like a, you know, a, a weird like seventies monster mask. Okay, cool. But there was something about it. Um, and actually seeing it in the movie that kind of like got under my skin in like a really weird way. We'll get there. I mean, yeah. I was going to ask, but I think you kind of made it clear that, like, for me, what's important about these choices, Larry, is that these were not necessarily on our to do list. Although I will say, uh, I, and I'm, this is probably true for Justin too, I've been curious about Dr. Fives for a while. I had also not seen either of these films, uh, though Dr. Fives is a lot more mm-hmm. sort of like a likely watch for me at some point I had not watched it yet. And count Yorga I've heard of for a long time for whatever reason, I just never gotten to it. I think, I think I have not made the time for um, less obvious vampire movies than maybe I should have considering how much I love some vampire movies, but there's, there's a lot. And I don't know that I've really made the time I should. Uh, the other thing I'll say as sort of a, a prelude before we actually get to the discussion of the movies is um you could call both of these movies campy in yes. a sort of colloquial way. Yes. But one of these movies is actually in my mind camp in the way that like. It's uh, intended to be. Yeah, well, it's, it's, one, one's intended and one is not. Right. One is one is well. And that's what's hard. Right. Is like, I mean, everyone knows. I'm probably not. Everyone knows this. Camp is just the thing that's hard to understand what what you mean by it or what other people mean by it. And often when asked to define it, people are like, you just know it. Right. Like it's like it's like art or porn. You know, you just know it when you see it. Right. Like. And so I think for me, I can never decide if something that is intentionally ludicrous, uh, like Dr. Fives, is camp or if something that is unintentionally ludicrous, like Count Yorga, is camp. Like, I don't know which is which, but I will say, for me, Justin, some of the imagery in Dr. Fives is very upsetting, and it is surprisingly upsetting because the rest of the movie is so 
tongue in cheek in a very British way. Yeah. Like it's very much like we're having fun here, aren't we? It's so fun. Oh, here's some locusts on your face. Is that weird? Is it weird that we did that? Because we're just having fun. And I'm like, it's a very British thing to be like, play everything to 11, right? Like play everything as if we're making fun of ourselves in every scene. And then for this moment, we actually made the grossest special effects we're capable of at this time period on this budget, right? Like they really did. uh, And it's not a ton, but there's just a couple of moments where I'm like, that's too upsetting for this silly, silly movie. And that makes the movie better, right? Like the fact that there are moments where I was like, oh, I'm actually kind of bummed on that. That's like, that makes the movie a better movie. But before we get into all the movie stuff, we should probably thank some people, Justin. Who who, who do we need to thank? Well, first off, mostly, I want to thank our patrons on Patreon.com. Hey, thanks for your support. We really appreciate it because, you know, like I've said at this point, literally dozens of times, money isn't real. I don't believe in it. I at work told a customer the other day that money is just made up and ultimately when the fucking world collapses, the only only things that are going to matter are food, batteries and bullets, not silver bars and not gold. None of that fucking shiny metal that we've only just collectively decided is worth something, but really isn't. It's not real, but unfortunately I got to say, I got to say though, Justin, spices are still pretty cool though. If we went back to a spice system, I might be okay with that because spices are actually pretty great. Spices, silk, um, exotic animals, uh, strange birds. Those are all more real than money in my head. Um, you know, I'm well, I mean, that's for, if you believe birds are actually real to begin with. Yeah, yeah, which is there I'm are those not, people the, who do not believe birds are real. The so. jury's out on that one for me. I mean, to be fair, an army of drones that could cover the earth is also pretty valuable, even if that's what birds are. That's still pretty yeah. cool. Like, I still think that's worth something. Uh, yeah, but unfortunately, we live in a period, in a time, in a place called Earth capitalist earth hell whatever you want to call it where everyone else thinks money is real and running a podcast network and website has costs and like i've said i don't ever aspire or hope to make money doing this and i don't think anyone involved in it actually does either but there are costs and it makes it a little bit sweeter if we can cover those costs because it's one thing to not make money it is another thing to lose money so we appreciate you helping us not lose money. And if you would like to become one of those people that this applies to, you can head to patreon.com backslash cinepunks. And there's a subscribe button. You get the smash app subscribe button. And then it says like, oh, how much you want to give? And just make up an amount. Any amount is welcome. And any amount we greatly appreciate. We also want to thank the... uh. Uh, people at Leah Valley Creations. Stop. Everyone who works here is people. One of those people, Chris Reject, is slightly less deserving of respect than the rest. But it doesn't matter because you're you're not going there to treat Chris Reject like the money grubbing, uh, rock and wrestling promoter that he is. Uh, you're going there to get high quality printed things. And while Chris might be. Uh, the tentacles behind a crust punk and wrestling empire. Uh, he's also really good at, at, at running a screen printing shop. And that's really what matters here. So Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations, 
that's where you go to get your yeah. t-shirts, your hoodies, your sweatpants, your bandanas, whatever you need printed or buttons made. That's still a thing, right? They make buttons. They make buttons. Uh, embroidered hats, whatever, whatever it is you're interested in doing. Uh, and Chris hates when we say this. So specifically, Dr. Seuss hats, cat in the hat Ask hats. for them. He loves it. Get those. They make them there. Yeah. They'll sew them you guys, you. I was going to say, I think you guys might want to uh, try to um, treat Chris more more like a person, a human being, because I'm certain he this has feelings. No, no, listen, you, listen, you, you Venmoed me some money and asked me to shit all over this guy. I'm, ju- <laughs> I, I'm just not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. No, unless of, no, unless, unless of course, unless of course he's a fan of the young bucks, in which case I will gladly oh, shit all over him. I, but I'm, that's just me. Look at you trying to bring wrestling beef into our podcast. Like we need that kind mm. of both fake and real heat right now. We do not, <laughs> we do not, we, we, on this show, we don't need good or bad heat. We just need a, a, a chill simmer. I don't need Justin picking enemies because of weird wrestling beefs. Uh, I will say, <laughs> I will say that uh, I know this is actually a play so you can get your next band's merch done for nothing and you know what chris reject he was susceptible to flattery so head to xlvacx all week i've heard he's very handsome he's very i mean if you like that sort of thing he's very if you're blind stop stop there's a pot there's a lid for every pot yeah. This is true. Uh, okay. XLVACX.com gets something screw printed. We also want to thank our friend uh, uh, Aaron Dahlbeck over at uh, uh, EssexCoffeeRoasters.com. Uh, you know what it is at this point. We said it a million times. Essex Coffee Roasters does great coffee. They do great tea. They have awesome shirts. Uh, head on over to their website on your way out. Put in the code C-I-N-E-P-U-N-X uh, and you'll get 10% off your order. Uh, I'm, you know, I was just drinking some Essex this morning. Uh, he, in fact, I just got a new, uh, a blend from them, the Chiapas John, and I'm pretty stoked to try it. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's good coffee. And if you have questions about like, Hey, what's the best way for me to roast this at home? He'll help you figure it out. So, you know, EssexCoffeeRoasters.com. uh, quick plug for me. Uh, I do a t-shirt company, roughcutfanclub.com. Uh, lots of cool t-shirts. Check it out. That's all I'm going to say about that. And then as usual, we want to thank our friend Sharky for mastering, mixing and mastering and editing this episode uh, and our other episodes. If you have media needs, head on over to mechanicalsharkmedia.com. Hit up Sharky. He would love to hear your idea ideas and see if he can help you out with whatever your project is. I love Sharky. He's the best. Yes. Uh, I think that's everything. I think that's everything then. Yeah. I think you have a question though for well now, for Larry more than for me. Now comes the time in the podcast when we're gathered around the table, touching fingertips, which is not gay, and we're holding a seance and say, uh, "Spirits from beyond, um, Donna, your mother has been dead recently," and at the table starts shaking or making contact with the other side i say don't don't move your hands and then someone some some fucking woman moves her hands back and she screams and i i look over at this dashing bulgarian uh count and seated next to him is my friend liam and i say i would usually be like liam before this handsome fucking vaguely menacing aristocrat uh choose your head off or throws you to his wives. 
I look in the corner where Larry is. He's the butler and he's got his gloves on and he's he's got a silver platter with foodstuffs on it. And I say, Larry, what have you been doing involving horror? What have you done involving horror recently? Um, well, I rewatched uh, that documentary on Shudder about Boris Karloff, uh, the man behind the monster. Um, mm. I absolutely love Boris Karloff. He's one of he's a top 10 actor for me, really, of any genre. I think he's just absolutely awesome in nearly everything he does even like the really bad films he was subjected to later in his career you could still see that he was you know capable of a lot more and it was just interesting to find out a lot more about him than what i had known previously you know um a lot about his family background and things like that and that's a really good documentary um reading a lot of horror comics recently um oh I picked up a run of Worlds Unknown and issue number six in particular has a a, a comics adaptation of the wonderful made for television film Killdozer. Yes. So that's, that's pretty, that's pretty fun. (laughs) I love the film. I love the band and I love that comic. Um, (laughs) uh, Yeah. I mean the, Oh, I, I watched, um, I watched the Anthony Hopkins uh, Burgess Meredith movie Magic with my son the other day. Hell yeah! I Love kept telling, that movie. I kept telling him about how how more than any film I had seen, um, that movie scared the shit out of me as a kid more than any other fucking movie. Because they came out in '78, I was like five, and I was seeing the trailers, and that fucking trailer terrified me so then when i saw it a year or so later it was clearly i wasn't allowed to go see it in the theater uh it just scared me after death that fucking dummy was just horrifying and of course him being 20 and his sensibilities being a little bit different different he was giggling and laughing at me the whole time watching this goddamn movie because he's just like you thought this was scary i'm like i was fucking five (laughs) I wasn't 50, you know, so, uh, watched that and, um, yeah, that's it. Just, I've been reading a lot more horror comics recently. Um, I usually, uh, try to catch a horror. Oh, um, I watched possession recently as well. Oh, classic. I never, I had never seen that. And I, I watched that, that, that was a bit different. Um, uh, yeah. Oh, and I rewatched the original Wicker Man. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Which is a favorite of mine. So, yeah, that's what I've been doing. I I appreciate all that, especially the horror comic aspect, because I myself have been reading some horror, not horror comics, but horror novels recently, which I'll get to after fucking Liam tells me what he's been doing. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, well, I'm glad, uh, Larry, you brought up horror comics. I had purchased a bunch of, uh, the, so there's a term for this and I keep forgetting what it is, but they're expanding the broader, uh, uh, Mignola verse, right? Like there's a lot of spooky comics, some of which he's writing a lot of which he's not, but they're his vibe. Like he helped develop the ideas and stuff like that. And so, uh, I'm all for that, but I had purchased a bunch and then not gotten to them. I kind of like have a problem now where if a comic isn't something I'm wrapped up in 
and I put it like on a pile, I might not get back to it for a little bit. Right. So I just got back to a bunch of the ones that I got recently and they're so good. They're all so fucking good. Not just the ones that he wrote directly, but some of the ones that other people are working on, but he like helped develop the idea. Still fucking great. I just, I want a whole world of spooky comics, right? Like of ghost hunters and mystics and fucking all kinds of shit, you know, uh, vampire hunters, all that stuff. I want all that shit. So I'm glad I'm on that uh, tip again. I also wanted to mention uh, a couple of movies. I checked out that movie Nocebo. Did you see this, Justin? I saw it on Shutter. I haven't seen the film yet, though. Uh, I It's pretty good. I don't. It's one of those ones that's hard to talk about without spoiling it. But there is a bit of a theme of like. Uh, uh, revenge. There's a, there's a, there's a, the, uh, uh, an aspect of, uh, of, uh, uh, what, what do we, the two thirds world revenge, you know, brown lady revenge, you know, yeah. it's sort of like a mystical getting revenge on the white folks sort of vibe. Down for all of that. Execution wise, it's not my favorite, you know, although I do like the main actress in it who, uh, she was on that. What was that? Penny Dreadful show. I oh yeah, Eva Green. She's, yeah. God, she's. <sighs> yeah, <laughs> she's really good in it. But I just think overall the the movie kind of was not my favorite. I again, I like the idea of it, but execution it was kind of like mid, you know. But that not enough that I would say, oh, you got to skip it. It's it's still worth seeing. It's just I I was a little disappointed. And then um, you did I see that you watched Infinity Pool recently? I did. What did you think of Infinity Pool? Um, well, okay, let, let me put it to you this way. Um, normally, I would be opposed to judging a filmmaker by who their parents are, if their parents are a filmmaker. Mm -hmm. But Brandon Cronenberg obviously walks the same path as his father. I think that's fair. For me, this was his least successful movie. Well, let me let me let me say what I'm about to say when it comes okay, to okay the, the the films of the Cronenbergs, um, Crimes of the Future. I was like, oh, I get it. This is a Cronenberg movie. Infinity Pool. I was like, now this is a Cronenberg movie. Interesting, huh? Yeah, I felt that Crimes of the Future was a little too. Um, I won't say lazy. But I will say I felt that it did um, it did nothing to really expand, uh, not even expand. It did nothing really to. I felt like it was him up to his like same old tricks and I like those tricks. I love those tricks, but I don't feel that it was anything um, that was. I don't know. It just felt it just felt kind of lazy for me. Um, Infinity Pool, though, I actually um, I don't know. It just I, I I thought Infinity Pool had like uh, some neat concepts on the idea of self, and um, I love Mia Goth, so that was I love the actress Mia Goth. I'm not saying yo, I love me a Goth. Yeah, um, yeah right. Um, right. <laughs> uh, and I, you know, I, I fucking would probably kill for Alexander Skarsgård. Um, this is very interesting. Uh, I agree with everything you're saying, but the exact opposite. Interesting. 
Yeah, I thought Alex. So you're wrong, is what you're trying to say. I thought the Skarsgård in this was forgettable, which is hard for <sighs> such a beautiful man. But like, literally, any boring white man could have been that boring white man. There's, he is not a boring white man. You shut the fuck up. In other things, I think he's not. In this, I thought he was really miscast, and I think that Mia Goth. It's not that she gives a bad performance, but towards the middle of the movie, she just started to like really get on my fucking nerves. Like I just felt like they were encouraging sort of of a, a, a kind of performance that was more grating than helpful. Whereas I thought Cries of the Future was almost a perfect movie. Oh my god. Just short me. of a perfect movie. Yeah. It was it was definitely in my top ten of, of last year. What? Yeah, this is like a this is like a a, a a dead stream situation where I don't know how we're gonna see like I like I would go so far as to say this is the first movie where I thought maybe the maybe the Cronenberg line is weaker than I thought because his other two movies that I've seen, I think he's only done two other movies, but at least I've seen two of his other movies. Awesome. Amazing. Great. What were the other two movies? Uh Possessor and Antiviral. Uh Antiviral. Yeah. Love them both. I've- I have I had no idea he had a son that was making films. Oh yeah, yo, Possessor is fucking. Possessor's dope. really really fucking good. I Put thought this movie list. started off strong and then it just kind of fucking lost its way and got kind of like lazy. Honestly, it was weird. I just was like, I don't know what he's trying to do here, but he's not winning. He's certainly not not winning anything. So the, it's it's so funny. Like it just it, this is literally a situation where as you were talking, I was like. Wow, he's pretty well describing me, except for the other way around. <laughs> hey, Justin, we're not going to agree on everything, man. It's not that's not how this works. Reaching yeah. back to comics, I said a while ago something that would never happen in any universe. Okay, you know, ever like parallel, whatever is that? I would love to see the Elder Cronenberg um, do a one-off, just a one-shot film of man thing cut him loose let him do all the body horror shit he wants to do with that property with that kind of budget and just fuck i would love to see something like that but of course that will never happen it will never happen i would love to fucking see it instead i had to be satisfied with um werewolf by night which was perfectly fine i enjoyed it but i wanted to see in in my in my world i would let david cronenberg do a man thing film i think it's interesting that they're going to be pushing a like a really hard R horror swamp thing. Right. Uh, but the man thing we get is like a, a like a fun caricature. And it's like I don't mind a fun, silly man thing to some extent. But it's I just fine. think as a as a as a character, I think his I think it's that would more be a, terrifying. It would be a better. Thing. Yeah, I just think it would be a better place to do intense horror especially like gross horror uh than swamp thing you know and then the other thing about swamp thing is that like okay we're gonna do it as horror but who are they gonna get to direct because my worry is that they're instead of reaching for like a a brandon cronenberg they're gonna reach for just like any old person later you know what i mean like i if we're gonna do a swamp thing horror movie then i hope they get someone who could really do something gross a little bit and a little upsetting, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I don't know that that's going to happen, but anyways, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. I, I do think a Cronenberg version of that would be interesting. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention is I've, I've brought this up a few times on Cinepunks. I don't think I mentioned on here, but uh, people know there, there are certain shows that I watch just to watch something with Maeve. 
Uh, and uh, recently we were watching that show Owl House. I don't know if I mentioned it on here, Justin. But well, uh, yeah, we talked about Owl House. Okay, so it's the last episode is out. So for people who don't know, Owl House had two full seasons, and then Disney basically pulled the plug, but said that she could wrap it up in in three episodes of a season, which is nothing, right? And like watching it. Each of these episodes that are like the three last episodes of the show could have been at least a full season, if not two seasons worth of stuff. Right. Like she's really trying to squish it all in to give this world like the kind of wrap up it needs. But watching it, uh, it, it reminded me to bring it up on here again, because the show really does have a lot of fucked up horror stuff. And this last episode, there were moments where like I kind of had to cover Maeve's eyes a little bit because it got a little spooky for her, a little too spooky. You know what I mean? Uh, but that was fine. It was also very touching and, and very well done. And so for those of you with kids who maybe are looking for something kind of horror adjacent to watch with younger kids, although it's not necessarily written for younger kids. I guess your kids have to be willing to uh, – watch a show that involves a certain amount of loss and sadness as well as goofy and silly stuff. Uh, but if they, they if they can, then uh, I, w- I couldn't recommend Owl House enough. Uh, did I cry during every episode of the last three episodes of the series? I sure did. And this last one, whoa, man, that one, it's a doozy. It was a doozy of an episode and people who love the show will know what I mean. So, uh, yeah, you know, again, I don't know if people should check it out if they hate things for kids. I don't think it's like a like a I don't know, crossing over the threshold for things. But I know there are, you know, a few parents who listen. If you have kids, make them watch Owl House with you. You'll be you'll be glad that you did. Uh, and uh, and I got to say to the lady who created it, uh, uh, thank you for that. That's a. Uh, that's a that's a that's a little piece of art that's going to be with me for a long time. And I literally just put it on so I'd have something not annoying to watch with my daughter. And uh, and instead, I, I was given a gift. And I really I really appreciate that. So that's it. That's all I got, Justin. All right. Also, uh, Justin's wrong about crimes of the future. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah, so anyway, yeah, uh, I watched this movie called Infinity Pool. It was amazing. It was so fucking good. It made me so oh, happy. Man, I heard it sucked. Like it a said, lot of no, people no. we know, some said it fucking sucked. idiot said it sucked and said that uh, Crimes of the Future was very good, but he was wrong and he's stupid. I mean, a lot of people we know thought it thought it sucked, but that's fine. You can have your own opinion. It's cool. I don't give a fuck about I'm a lot of people we know. In fact, I hate most of them. <laughs> oh, stop it. No, you don't. So, okay. So the other day, um, last Monday, I had to get my car inspected. Okay. And like the garage I take it to is like not far from my mom and dad's house. So um, as people who follow my Instagram, <laughs> my, parents, my parents recently got a new puppy, Bodie. He's uh... so sweet. Um, and... My mom was like, hey, on Monday, if you want to come here and just like hang out with Bodie and so your dad gets home from work, like, you know, while you're doing your your car's getting inspected, you're more than welcome to. And I was like, that would be great. So while I was there, like my mom and dad have like they they have like a uh, what is it like a like a hacked fire stick. So they have these like movies. Oh, on there. sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. So like I'm over there and I'm like, I'll find something to watch. So I watched Infinity Pool. Amazing. Cannot recommend it enough. Holy shit. Um, I also watched that movie Cocaine Bear. Oh, sure. Yeah, I watched that as well. <laughs> was it good? Yeah. It was like, like I, I mean, mostly, I, I cannot tell if it's because I had like literally bars lying on the ground level expectations. Um, 
but or there you, was like, or, or if it was the cocaine you did prior to watching it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, you know, yeah. Um, like I, my worst, my in my head, the worst case scenario was like it's going to be like one of those like deliberately like so bad it's good, um, like made on purpose to be bad and like over the top and annoying and like broy, um, as I like to call it, edge lord bullshit. And if you notice, I emphasize those words. It's a, it's because the some accusations were slung at me recently on the internet using that um oh someone called out your edgelord stuff uh i don't know if it was like a call out but i i felt weirdly targeted because i've i've referred to things as edgelord bullshit and someone posted about i'm not gonna say any names someone had posted something about how certain movies don't get enough credit and they're often accused of being edgelord bullshit and i was like wait a second i think liam and i are the only people who have ever used that phrase that's an attack on us (laughs) Huh, interesting. Yeah. I didn't I didn't see this. Yeah. Um No, so My, I watched I, it. What, what, what were we gonna say? I'm I'm just gonna bring I'm just gonna say this feels like a Megan scenario to me, though you're less excited about this than Megan. This is another thing where I think the thing is exactly what it is, but for whatever reason from afar, you think it's gonna be absolute bullshit so then when you actually watch it you're like oh it's pretty good actually you know well not okay so there's like it, it was funny i liked it a lot but the thing that got me was like how there was like the weird subplot of like ray Liotta's son sure yeah like that there was a dynamic there that didn't really have to exist in this movie but i'm glad it did and i i i, I thought it did legwork that it didn't really need to do and it just made it a, like a like a a uh, it made a movie that was like more fleshed out than it needed to be, and I appreciate that they didn't just lazily rely on the hey let's have a black bear do its own body weight and coke through a movie and see what happens. Like I like the fact that they actually invested like some kind of like humanity into this movie, and they did it well enough um, that it actually worked and didn't seem like a cheap attempt at evoking sympathy for human characters. I also had fun with cocaine bear. Personally, I'm, I'm, I'm actually, the reason it made me think of Megan is not just because uh, I didn't understand why you were bummed on it so much going in. uh, But it also made me think of Megan in that. I think it's about half what it needs to be. Like I didn't think it was as funny as I wanted it to be. And I was impressed that they went where they did with the gore. But I also felt like it was also like dribs and drabs. And I was like, look, either this is a funny movie with heart or it's a violent movie with heart. That's fine that it has heart, but it's not enough of the other two things for me. I wanted yeah. it to be either be funnier or more fucked up. And I, honestly, I kind of wish it was more fucked up only in that you're right. There is a certain amount of like sentimentality to the movie. So marrying that kind of Hollywood sentimentality to something in which a bear really fuck some shit up and like not that it doesn't i don't want anyone to go in thinking it's like there's no bear mauling people that that does happen but um all the sickest shit was in the trailer like yeah there's nothing awesome violence wise that isn't in the trailer well there's a f- i don't know the scene where the kids eat cocaine isn't in the trailer and well, i fucking laugh my ass off at that sure part. but that's that's a great example of that started to make me think like oh shit the kids are eating cocaine clearly 
we're going over, we're going crazy with it. Right. But yeah. the, the bummer for me was that was like one of the craziest moments of the movie. That should yeah. be the intro to a bunch of like, okay, we're really going off the fucking walls. And I don't think it did that. And that's fine. Like it didn't have to do that. If then the part, it has that combined with then like quippy kind of silly humor stuff, which is fine. I'm also not offended by that. I think some people are really bummed on how silly the movie was. Like they wanted yeah. something that was a little more hardcore, which I don't know why they would want that. Like is, is who's the director of this? Like uh fucking Elizabeth smart. No, not Elizabeth. So this is what I'm saying. It's an Elizabeth Banks movie. It's going to have like a silly comedy edge to it. And I'm okay with that. There, there are things that are in that world that I think are very fun. I felt like it, it wasn't quite enough of the comedy either. Like if it's going to go one of those two directions. So that being said, it's still very entertaining. Like I had fun the whole time. I just was surprised that it wasn't, more of something you know what i mean like that didn't push the envelope a little more because it is a you did name a movie fucking cocaine bear and then you pretended it was based on a real story when the real story is just a bear sniffs of cocaine and died that's the whole fucking story and they instead made this thing and they told everyone it was the craziest shit ever and then it was like it was a little crazy but it wasn't like crazy you know so whatever that's i i didn't feel like it was a waste of my time but i wish it was a little bit I, I honestly wish the script was what's her name? Elizabeth Banks. And yeah. then she gave it to a director who was a little more unhinged, you know, but oh, well. Like a Brendan Cronenberg. That would have been great. <laughs> I don't know that Brendan Cronenberg is stoked on humor. None of these movies have been very, uh, they don't have much of a sense of humor to them, no. which is fine, which is fine. I don't think that would be his, yeah. his lane. Whereas his dad's films, there actually is some humor in them if you look carefully. It, no, I think that's it's it's weird. People talk about uh, David Cronenberg as like being humorless, and I'm like, are you not paying attention to the movies? Those are just the interviews. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. Not, well, it's yeah, not that's the true. films. He, he, he seems even, very humorless in the interviews. Even in the interviews, I do wonder sometimes if the comments that he's making he thinks are funny, even if the rest of us aren't laughing. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I do wonder to what extent it's like. Oh, that thing he just said, he doesn't mean that. He's actually fucking with you. You know what I mean? But I don't know. I don't know him. I you know, I have only read the interviews. I haven't really seen that many interviews with him, so I don't know what the vibe is with him. He definitely is offsetting to people. Yeah, I mean he David Cronenberg. Um I also want to talk briefly about the uh newest episode of the series Yellow Jackets. Are you current on that, Liam? Or did you start it? I started it. I'm not current. I didn't watch the one this past Sunday yet. I'm getting some big, um, good Pet Cemetery vibes. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just that that show continue continuously like just like keeps me on my toes. I love it. Um, By that, and- do you mean does does Ed Gwynn show up or something? <laughs> he shows up. There's like, oh, helps here, and he's like, yeah, see that rod? You don't want to go down that rod. Like, his fucking talking skeleton helps him out. Like, um, no, I don't know. Like, it, it, it's going. It, 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 I, I think that could have very easily just been a show about these kids surviving in the wilderness and doing these like unspeakable things, and then having to deal with it as adults. But it's going in ways that like, um. I've heard people described it as uh, lost if they knew what they were doing with lost. 
And I think that is the most like spot on uh, description of that show so far. Um, this isn't horror really, but it's horrific. I have been watching um, with my grandfather every night. We watch an episode of World War II in color on uh, Netflix. And not that the events of World War II were, 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 were not like horrific, but the other night we watched the episode on the liberation of Buchenwald. And uh, I know it's weird, but like, it just wasn't a good time. It just, it that, was a real bummer. I, I've seen that, that, that footage is, um, it's fucked up. <laughs> yeah. It's even, like, it's, it's, it's like, I said to myself, I don't need to watch this again. Yeah. Like as like someone I, who's, as someone who studied that era of history specifically, like there's nothing new to me about what happened there, but there's something about seeing like even pictures are like, Oh, that sucks. But there's something about seeing the footage and hearing not just survivors talk about it, but some of the soldiers who were like, yeah, it's fucked up. I don't know. Like, you know, and uh, like, I, I don't know. It was just, um, it, it was just, uh, I'd rather watch Sallow again than sit through that episode again. I, I would, I think I would watch the Buchenwald before I watch Sallow ever again. Actually, no, no, you know what? At least there's no anti-Semitism involved in Sallow. So point for you, Paolo Pasquale. <laughs> um, you're the worst. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It wasn't, uh, I'm sorry. It wasn't crimes of the future. Ooh. I just meant you're mispronouncing the man's name. Oh, whatever. Fuck you. He's Italian. It doesn't, that doesn't count. Um, and I have started reading another Nick Cutter book. I've started reading The Troop. Um, I had read his book, The Deep, um, a few months back, and it, you know, was deeply upsetting. And so far, this one is on track to be deeply upsetting as well. I, th I wish more people would read this guy's books. Um, I know Amazon is making a series out of one of his books. Uh, I reviewed a movie called The Breach that was based on one of, one of his books that I wasn't crazy about the movie, but I think I'd be crazy about that. I, I think I'd really like the book. Um, so if you like, if you, if you want to read a story about a troop of Boy Scouts trapped on an island with a ravenous ghoul, um, that is so hungry it eats dirt when it can't get human flesh. Then I strongly advise you to read The Troop by Nick Cutter. And that's all I've done involving heart recently. Well, that's great. All right. It's uh, a lot. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit much. But, you know, I'm a busy guy. I do what I got to do. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about 1970s American vampire horror film, Count Yorga Vampire, also known as The Loves of Count Yorga Vampire. We'll be right back. Count Yorga Vampire is a film that throws you into a world of which we know little. Strange, frightening, whispered from generation to generation until it becomes a scream out of the past. Enjoyed your little joke last night, Doctor. But as you can see, tonight is mine. Colonel, you really are a vampire. 
Yes. It did happen to them. It could happen to you. Count Yorga, vampire. And we are back to talk about Count Yorga, vampire. I am his loves of Count Count Yorga. A nineteen twenty American. What's the that? title? The title card is is spelled differently than the actual. Yeah, there's a gold, there's an I in there. Yeah, which I don't yeah. like. Yeah, I don't like it either. Um, fun fact about this movie: Did you know that Robert and I found this from Wikipedia, so it's true. Um, Robert Quarry was almost count was almost cast as Count Yorga in the second Doctor Fives movie. Yep. Well, actually, the. Th- <sighs> They were. I don't know if it, if they were going to make it Doctor Fives versus Count Yorga for the second film, but Robert Corey was in the second Doctor Fives film. Oh yes, yes, okay. He he's definitely in that. But they were going to come up with uh, a third film. One of the t- one of the things they talked about was having Doctor Fives versus Count Yorga. But more interesting than that is the fact that Count Yorga Vampire originally was supposed to be a softcore porn. <laughs> it when has they, that fucking vibe, man. Yep. And I it can does. guarantee there there are scenes you're like, okay, this is where that scene was supposed to happen. Yep. And that one and that one and that one. But when Robert Corey signed on to do it, he said, yeah, I'm not doing that. And they just changed the script. What so, a coward. You know, <laughs> listen, uh, he had he had a reputation to uphold. I don't know what that reputation actually was, but he had a reputation of some sort. That he felt like he had to protect. So, you know. I appreciate that. Yeah. So what what about this movie? Like, what was it that why did you choose this movie? Like, what is this is this movie like like a personal favorite of yours? Or is it like Yeah, it is. I think um aside from my love for vampire films, even though I feel that most of them miss the mark when it comes to like vampire lore, um, I'll just make this a quick aside because I'll get really worked up if I go too deeply into it, but the whole notion of just staking a vampire and then just dying because that is absurd and weird and dumb and lazy as fuck. You know, you're supposed to just stake them to the earth, cut off their head, stuff the head full of garlic and then burn the body. That's how you kill a fucking vampire. Yeah. You don't, you don't fucking Buffy the vampire slayer their ass. It's fucking nonsense. And, and I know it's before that, but anyway, so um, I like vampire films. I like this one, but more importantly, I picked both these movies because I I know that they had these in other parts of the country, but the Midwest in particular was like rife with horror film hosts starting in the sixties because, you know, all the, the universal films had kind of gone out of vogue and a lot of those properties were, um, being played on television for the first time in the sixties. So a lot of local stations would buy like packages of films that they could, they, they could show. And a lot of them were the universal horror films and then the stuff from hammer and then the stuff from AIP and all that stuff. So one of the guys that was big in the Cleveland area was Goulardi and Goulardi is Ernie Anderson. He's a Paul Thomas Anderson's dad. And Goulardi, uh, spun off into two different, he was, he was really huge. He was like a huge cultural impact on every weirdo in Cleveland or Akron or anywhere else in Northeast Ohio. Um, but then two different shows spun off, uh, Big Chuck and Houlihan, which became Big Chuck and Little John, and then The Ghoul. And The Ghoul, who is Ron Swede, is the guy who I grew up with because Goulardi's a little bit before my time. I wasn't born until 73. So 
um, I grew up with the ghoul and I saw um, Count Yorga on the ghoul at some point in my youth and the Abominable Dr. Fives on both Big Chuck and Little John and the and on uh, the ghoul and them both being AIP pictures and just that sort of 70s like B-grade kind of horror film like I just felt they paired nicely plus there are you know like I like I mentioned uh, Robert Quarry was in the second Fibes film and I, I they're just movies I have a great fondness for and it just reminded me of my youth I mean I, you know I tried to I, one of the two of the films I, I originally wanted to do you guys had already done because I hadn't listened to every episode but like <laughs> Death Dream which by the way I went back and listened to that one um, I love that movie Children Shouldn't Play With Dead Things both being Bob Clark films those seemed obvious but since so we couldn't do those. These were my next choices. And uh, I actually like A Bottle of Dr. Fives much better than any of the the films that we're going to talk about. But Count Yorga is pretty pretty special in its own way. And I just absolutely love it. And when I was a young kid, you know, uh, these horror shows weren't on till like Friday or Saturday nights, like at 1130 or midnight. Sure. You yeah. know, and when you're like 10 or 11, Count Yorga is fucking kind of scary. You know, and it's, you know, not so scary now, but um, I have really good feelings about the film and I really like it. I mean, I see the flaws in it, of course, but I still think it's actually a pretty good movie for for what they started off with and, and what they were able to accomplish. I think they, you know, my whole thing about movies is like once they establish what the movie's supposed to be, then I just judge it on based on are they accomplishing what it's supposed to be? And if they yes. do that, generally it's a good film. I won't necessarily recommend it. I'm like, well, yeah, it's a good movie. It won't be something I go on and on about. But I think Count Yorga actually does that, but does a little bit more. Because um, it's actually, you know, if you look at the elements of the film, it's actually tr- the Drac- the novel Dracula deconstructed. I mean, there are sure. so many yeah, things yeah, yeah. that are exactly from that fucking novel that, you know, were just so obvious, you know, now, later on. Um which is funny because I don't think they've made a faithful Dracula film to the novel at all. They have always insert romance in there and that's not a part of it. But anyway, uh, Count Yorga is just fucking great. Robert Corey is absolutely ridiculous um, in this film, but like in the best way. Like he's not meaning to be ridiculous. He's playing it totally straight, but there are just certain times where he delivers lines with this weird mid-atlantic accent like that they used to do in the 40s yeah (laughs) it's just so fucking out of place it's so out of place but it just works because he's very serious you know um but yeah i I love both these movies and that's why i picked them um i don't know what did you guys think i know you guys hadn't seen them before liam what, what did you think i was gonna ask you um so I found Count Yorga, on one hand, it has a bit of a vibe of some of the like um, like late 60s, early 70s B-movies that were like, you know what it reminded me of a little bit was some of the like Bigfoot kind of movies, you know, like yes. uh, Shriek of the Mutilated, just like real kind of rough, especially like 
some of the lighting and color grading is like really off, you know, at it times felt yellow. Yeah. And the, and the day for night stuff is like super distracting though. That wasn't uncommon, but it just, in this movie, you could really see it. Uh, and I agree. Like uh, the Yorga himself is, is an odd vamp. He's, he, he's an odd sort of uh vampire uh, in his own way. Um, you know, with vampire movies, they tend to go two directions, right? They're either kind of like queer a little bit because it's like, this is a guy who's ready to suck anybody who comes near him, you know, or they're kind of patriarchal in that Dracula is really facing off against men because he's stealing all their women, you know? Uh, and this movie really goes for the second one where it's like the women exist to be turned into vampires and the men sit around talking like important men until it's time to act. And then sometimes they're effective and a lot of times they're not, but it's just a lot of like just sexist men, you know, but yeah. like it's done in such a way that instead of finding that gross, it just felt like, outdated to me almost in like a silly it, it almost added more silliness to the movie because it felt so weird like the way that they handle these characters it also is a movie that like just drops you in like the movie's just like we're starting the movie now and there's a seance this is just what we're doing and you're like wait what and that's like that's like Yorga's in is the seance and I, I just couldn't help but think like is this a thing he is this how he starts all of his seductions is like yeah, they'll invite me over for a thing, like a little cocktail party. I'll say some creepy stuff. Bada bing, bada boom. Uh, I started eating all the ladies. You know, like it's it's just well, his, this, in, his in was with with was with Donna's mother. Right. Yeah. But but that's like a detail that is true. But that is a detail that that is given to us in a way that like it, in the same way, again, like a shriek of the mutilated, where they're like, actually we're a cult and there's no Bigfoot, you know, like it's just sort of like thrown in there. It almost feels like an addendum. And then the mother shows up and that, I, I mean, I really thought the, he's my mom's boyfriend. I thought that was a Chekhov's gun that was never going to fire. You know what I mean? I was, that was just going to be a, okay, that's a weird detail. And then when the mom showed up, I was like, all right, I guess we are going to make sure that gun goes off. Here we go. And I, I was kind of surprised by that, but also like pleased by it. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's very rough around the edges in a lot of ways. Uh, and yet it goes at such a pace and it is so goofy at times, just some real strange decisions. But then also it has a bit of a hard edge, especially towards the end with uh, 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 the, the the ways that the, the vampires function and stuff like that, that like, I don't know. I, I just found it fun, though, as we'll get to not fun in the way that Dr. Fibes is fun, which is a whole other kind of fun, uh, but 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 still fun for what it is. Um, even if, like I said, there, there's a sense in which like one of the more awkward scenes is when they're just like. We're just going to go to Count Jurgis' house and just, like, confront him. And then they just have an awkward conversation for a while. And then yeah. after a while, they're like, well, I guess we can't stall till sunrise, so I guess we'll just leave. That whole thing, it's like, is it your what? friend's life in danger? What's happening right now? Well, it, was, it was, like, it, so poorly planned because, like, why wouldn't they show up much later than the time they did? Did they really think they were going to keep this guy up? I mean, it just... That and the one um, after the initial attack in the VW van when uh, the two dudes are walking down the street and talking, I was like, did Larry Cohen shoot this 
scene because <laughs> they were like miles away. <laughs> like, yeah, it feels like someone was stealing footage. Totally right. And it was, also, I wasn't you know, aware that a vampire's power included making mud. Like he's like, oh, they're leaving. Make it muddy using <laughs> fog or some shit, and then they're stuck in the mud, and then there's then they're just out of the mud. And yeah. I, I was kind of like. I guess that's a cool vampire power. I just, I don't, I just, I couldn't. It was, I had assumed Bruda had gone down there and like, you know, muddied up the ground while they were, you know, but then how would, off. but then how, but, but no, that doesn't work then because it was gone the next day. It, this was a supernatural act, Larry. You have to admit, Yorga has mud powers and this is a new thing. Vampires <laughs> apparently have mud powers. It was and- weird. They were, they were so, they, like, they needed to mention it once. Like, oh, did it rain? Oh, it's weird. I didn't, but like, I feel like they talked about that for like 10 minutes straight about how they don't remember it raining. Well, yeah, this is the thing, right? It'd be what if it was a rant because these movies all have random details that clearly were just thrown in. And, it, you know, it is what it is. It's it's like uh, we've talked about this before. It's like the time cop thing where the way they deal with the time paradox and time cop is someone brings it up and, and uh, John Claude Van Dandrus goes, no, there's no paradox. And then they just move forward. Like, that's how they dealt with it. No <laughs> science, no theory. It's just someone brings it up and he goes, no. And then that's it. This is the this is how most details go in these movies. But instead, the mud is a sign of Yorga's power because they just keep bringing it up. Like later on, he's like, so it was a weird night. Yeah, there was this fucking mud. And then the mud was gone. It's crazy. And I'm like, OK, all right. I guess we're going to keep talking about the fucking mud. You know, it's just it, it's strange. But it, whatever. Right, Justin, what did you think of Count Yorga, comma, vampire? So... Um, I've talked about a writer named Robert McCammon on the show a few times. Um, he's like a nineties kind of, I don't want to say like Stephen King level horror writer, but he was like, let's say he was like a Dean Koontz level horror writer, much better than, you know, Dean Koontz. But like he wrote a book called They Thirst, which was just about a master vampire's attempt at taking over Los Angeles. And it starts out very similarly to this, where there is this bougie seance party. And that's how, you know, in the novel, someone first makes contact with um, a vampire, you know, accidentally without them knowing who it is. Um, And then it's just the idea of the cosmopolitan coming in contact with the undead that I, I, I really like. Um, I kind of, uh, like, how do I say this? Okay, so there's a scene when they're, like, hypothesizing about who Count Yorga is. And the guy's name is Count Yorga. Count, you, not like, yeah. he's not just, like, a guy, that Count is in the title. And Dave, sorry, he's not Dave Yorga. He's not Dave Yorga, yeah, he's not Colonel Yorga. Like, it's, whenever I hear the word Count, I think of fucking Count Dracula. It it just, that's what it is. So then, like, they're having the conversation and like, oh, we think he's a vampire. And the one guy's like, oh, you mean a vamp, like a vampire? And he does like, he does like a Bell Lugosi impression. And I'm like, okay. So we, in this universe, Bell Lugosi vampire movies exist. How the fuck aren't they alarmed that there's this charming European guy who can hypnotize people? 
like how how do they how is he not a fucking vampire like I, that just I I feel that the film I feel that the film was a little like I I just don't know like I despise people when they watch horror films and they're like how do they not know that it's the aliens that are doing it. It's like, well, because they don't think aliens are real. They don't, you know, that's in this movie, they clearly know who count Dracula is. And they're like, Oh, there's this guy, count Yorga, this fucking weird European dude. And they're like mystified by the fact that he's a vampire. Now that being said, the fucking scene when they confront him and he's like, gentlemen, it's late, but come in, I shall entertain you. And they're having that like weird back and forth about like, are, are werewolves real? And he's like, they might be. And he's like, what about vampires? He's like, they as well might be re real. Forgive me, gentlemen. I hate to be rude, but it is rather late and I must ask you to leave. And like, it keeps escalating. And it's like this, for such a, I don't want to say cheesy movie, but for a movie that didn't really do much in building tension, I felt that was a really tense scene. How it's like the guy making the accusation, was it, was it Michael who was making the accusations he knew that fucking Count Yorga was a vampire. And Count Yorga knew that he knew. And they're both just, like, having this, like, stare down. And I don't know. I, I just thought that was a really a, a really interesting scene. And then the fucking end when... um When Count Yorga is, like, laughing at him. That bummed me out so much. Because for like thirty seconds, I was like, "Yeah, this is this is too much. This is this is scaring me. I don't like this. I don't like the fact that this dude just like laughing at him. That was that was. <laughs> I don't know. Just something about that was, um, you know, like right before the brides came in and attacked him. Yeah. I, I I don't know why that was like so fucking creepy. And then eventually, you know, because they did it for too long, it stopped being creepy. But like, um. I don't know this. I mean, this wasn't like I. I wouldn't rank this among like my favorite vamp, my favorite vampire movies because I, I. I think it was like a little too shoddily made to really like. I had fun with this movie, but I don't know. Like it. It. It really had like just those. Uh, those two scenes. I. I. I feel really stuck out and. Um, I think really deserve mentioning because I think they were both like incredibly well done with the, uh, you know, with the context, you know, what the movie was about. I, I, I really, uh, I really enjoyed those, those scenes and what's his face his uh, his Renfield character. What was his name? Uh, Bruda. Bruda. <laughs> yeah. That guy. <laughs> um, yeah. When he was laughing, I remember, I remember that from my childhood being that really scared me that. And when they, uh, were checking on, um, the young lady who was attacked and they show up her apartment. She's eating that rat. Oh my God. Yeah, that, think, that was, that was yeah. pretty intense. But I think the one thing that struck me about this movie watching it this time is, you know, I, I mentioned it was like deconstructed Dracula, the novel. And the one thing this movie gets right that most other films don't get correct about Dracula is people just suppose that because he Dracula goes after the women and he's men's life, that it's, that it's about, romance or it, yeah. it's about it's about none of that it's not about that at all and that's why i hated coppola's dracula so much I'm like this is not it's not a romance did he even read the fucking book right what count yorga accomplishes the same way that horror of dracula did 
you know, years before was that they um, portray him as like that Nietzsche and Superman that that uh, Bram Stoker. There is no morality. It's not about women. It's not about love. It's about control and power. And he's taking their women because he can. He's killing these dudes because he can. And that's all that it needs to be. And so when I see other vampire films, when it's romantic and all this other nonsense, I'm like, no, that's not what that is. That's, these are just, these are fucking monsters. Let them be fucking monsters. They can look continental and handsome and all that shit. It doesn't, that's part of their monstrosity because, you know, most of your, not most of your people, but there are plenty of evil people in the world that are attractive. That's how they, they lure you in. But it's not about, uh, it's not about sexuality other than just the violence they can, you know, impose upon you. So I think that's the one thing Count Jorger kind of gets right in a way. Is can, when he when that. he was when he was sitting on that throne watching those brides, just the look on his face of just like sort of like, uh, this is just another day. I'm watching them eat somebody, you know. Yeah. I mean, you know, so I, but it, it is definitely rough around the edges, but it's just, it's fun because Robert Corey in a lot of ways is kind of ridiculous. He's, he's Bulgarian, but he speaks with a mid-Atlantic accent. Right. right? Yeah, he, yeah, did, yeah, he doesn't yeah. even fucking try. And he's- I mean, the, he, the, the rough around the edges thing doesn't really bum me out. It, it only bums me out with some of these movies when they're really boring. Like the, that's, that's my deal. I know a lot of people love it. I'm kind of a, not really stoked on Shriek of the Mutilated, though it has some fun aspects to it. Because it just kind of bores me sometimes mm-hmm. through a lot of it. This movie, there are parts that are kind of weird. Like like you said, when they're just talking on the street, I thought they needed to pack out this movie for, for some reason. Like this was because they cut all the porn parts. That's yeah, exa- exactly. There's because there's because there's none of the poor that was supposed to be there. But uh but that was one of the moments where I'm like, meh. But there's enough other moments that felt uh uh, just a little more engaging and fun. Um, yeah. That being said, some of the plot decisions are definitely there because there's only so much battling a vampire they can do in this movie, right? Like, yeah. there isn't a budget to have like 45 minutes of f- vampire fights. So there's got to be a lot more dialogue and a lot more of like people. I mean, just the fact that we get multiple scenes of this guy trying to call the fucking cops and tell them that vampires are real. Like that one scene of that was sufficient, but they're like, ah, he'd do it again. Let's do it again. We'll film it again. He's doing it again. That, that was a little bit of a weird choice to me, but what was uh, funny was like, they, you know, when he put the idea out there about vampires, like within the same scene, he was sort of just saying, just speculating, you know, saying something, just saying, just saying flippantly. And then, Hey, I talked to this guy. He's a vampire expert. We're definitely dealing with a vampire. Like there was no real, it just took him talking to the one guy. He said he called on the phone that, yep, it's a vampire. It's gotta be for sure. Like that was a bit (laughs) (laughs) jarring to him. Like, okay. I mean, you called this a cult professor. Of course he's going to tell you it's a vampire. I mean, (coughs) but I mean, it's all for the better because he was a vampire, right? So there you go. Well, to be fair, he said his friend was a blood expert, which I've always thought is a fun <laughs> idea that that around the world, there's all these blood experts who are going, hey, you know what? Between you and me, don't tell anyone this. Vampires there are, are real. vampires, which is like if that was true, 
If it turned and that's out the that professional nomenclature, all these, a blood all these, all these fucking, there's all these hematologists or whatever it is who all know vampires are real, but they're like, uh, we don't tell nobody though. It's like all those people should be in jail, right? Like talk about malpractice. That would be the largest malpractice. It's like, yeah, we all know, but like, it's crazy. So we don't tell anybody about it. Like what? <laughs> Anyways, it, I, I, I'm still glad you chose this because this is something I've been meaning to watch. And I do think like while this one is is not a perfect movie, it has some fun aspects to it. And it is part of this thing, which I want to give more time to, which is like there's a lot of um, lesser known vampire movies. I mean, to be fair, some of them are themselves still Dracula movies of some kind. Yeah. Right. But they're just not the most, uh, you know, a lot of times when I talk to people about vampire movies and they're not already huge horror heads, they only can name a few, right? There's only a few ones that everybody knows. Um, and, and there are so many more now I suspect. And I think Justin would agree with me. If I do take this trip, it's going to be a lot of bad movies, right? Like There's it's not a, a, a lot of bad ones. Yeah. It's Tons not, I'm, I'm not setting ones. myself up for a fun deep dive if I do this thing, but I am curious about it. And I'm wondering if there are still going to be some gems, especially in the hammer world. Cause I, I really do like a lot more hammer horror films than I realized. That's my wheelhouse. I mean, cause that's kind of what I grew up on. You know I mean? I, sure. I, 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 somebody might assume that it's slashers due to my age. Cause the eighties, was a thing. I was a teenager in the eighties, but, um, the hammer thing just, um, appealed to me way more, um, because what I was watching on television. So when I got to like the slasher films, some of them are perfectly fine, actually very, very awesome. But a lot of them, I was just like, eh. you know, it just felt cheap to me, you know, but not what, while someone would argue this movie's cheap. I'm like, yeah, but it's cheap in a different way. It's not, you know, count Yorger <laughs> did its best to, you know, uh, accomplish what it set out to do. And I think it did. I, you know, the, the sequel is fun, but not as much fun as this. Um, so you might want to start there. Well, I guess we should switch gears to, um, a movie that I, I kind of get why you paired it with count Yorga in some ways, but it's also like such a different movie, right? For, for another movie focused on one, you know, it's not that common. Uh, outside of like the classic monsters, right? You don't, it's not that common, at least anymore to get a horror movie. That's just like the name of this movie is the, is the, is the monster, right? Like, like here's, we're going from count. Also the name of this movie is just fucking ridiculous. Count Yorga Kaba vampire is, is an insane thing to title a business card. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Whereas this one, it's, it's more of a classic horror title, but there's a lot about this movie that is not classic horror. Uh, the abominable Dr. Fives, which is by the way, a great fucking title. Yes. And low key. One of the iconic monsters in all of horror films. I think that's true. I, you know, I mean that, that the skull makeup is just, I can't tell you how many hardcore metal bands have ripped that for a flyer. So, you know. <laughs> All right. We're going to take a quick break and we come back. We're going to talk about 1971's British dark comedy horror film, The Abominable Dr. Fibes. We'll be right back. we 
music for a murder or two or three or nine. Who's this? Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to meet a dear friend. Nine killed you. Nine shall die. Your wife no fives. But you I will kill. But you can't, Doctor. I am already dead. Here, how are we going to get him off this? You take his head and I'll take his feet. Let's unscrew him. Dr. Vibes, who samples the finer things of life in his own inimitable way and experiments with fascinating instruments of death. Well, what, sir? The guitar. The time curses visited upon the pharaohs before Exodus. Nine shall die. Nine eternities in doom. The curse of boils, of bats. Frogs? Frogs, yes. And the curse of blood. Curse of hail in the bloody middle of nowhere. the most terrifying motion picture you'll ever see. And we are back to talk about The Abominable Dr. Fives, starring Vincent Price and Joseph Cotton. (laughs) (laughs) Now, this is a movie that I... This movie is fucking everywhere. Like, this... I don't know, like, in some weird way, I think this might be, like... The archetypical, like, Vincent Price film? I mean, it's one that people bring up a lot. I don't know. The It's hard because a lot of people will point to one of his darker roles in Witchfinder General, partly because he, in interviews, said it was one of his favorite roles. Uh, or maybe they'll point to something like... Um, the House on Haunted Hill. Uh, something from the Poe cycle that he did. Yeah, with, yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. The Pit and the Pendulum. Yeah. What's the movie where I think this is a, a Vincent Price movie the, where he's the actor and he's Constantine. Getting, no, he's getting revenge on all of the critics. Theater of Blood. Theater of Blood. With, I know a lot. Uh, Emma Peel. I know a lot of people that for them, that's their favorite Vincent Price movie is Theater of Blood. But I also know a lot of people that like, this is the movie. Like if you were like, okay, Vincent Price, where do I start? They would tell you Abominable Dr. Fives is the place to begin and go from there. I don't know. wrong. Well, you know, people have different opinions. Larry. I I think, you know, Theater of Blood is basically a rehash of this film. I think that's true, but it's also got its own vibe. But yeah, it definitely has its own vibe. It's, um... I, Vincent Price's 
like Boris Karloff, one of my top 10 favorite actors. Okay. I was going to ask what your history was with Vincent Price. He's well, again, the reason I paired these two is because I, I came into contact with his films through those horror hosts in the late seventies, early eighties, you know, sure. big Chuck, little John, the ghoul super host, all these guys were showing these movies and Vincent Price, you know, uh, the post likely did with Corman was, it was an easy way to get into horror films cause they were creepy, but they weren't like, you know, really gory. And a lot of people just, you know, their image of Vincent Price is this campy guy who probably really can't act and he's just fun and all this stuff. It, and all that's true except for the can't act thing. The fact is his other films were campy, you know, because that type of gothic horror was on its way out in the 60s and 70s. Like it wasn't, it was starting to not be a thing because, you know, um, people weren't afraid of like spooky old houses and shit anymore, you know? So it seemed kind of old fashioned and therefore, you know, campy. And, you know, the thing about Vincent Price, the one thing he has in common with Boris Karloff is that their voices are really striking. And one thing Karloff would do when he would do films is like, if he was more serious about the role he was in, he would tone it down a little bit because the way his voice carried and his lisp, you know, when he would intone a certain way, it would, it was really dramatic. And I think Vincent Price is the same way because his voice is really distinctive. And, um, so a lot of people just assume all oh, this guy can't act and all that other stuff, you know, which finder general would prove that to be false because it's a really low key performance from him. I think fives, he leans into the idea of, okay, you guys want to see camp? I'll do camp. He leans into it hard and deliberately and it works. And, um, it, it's just one of my favorite movies. I, I love most of his movies, you know, um, mask of the red death is another really good one, but, um, Dr. Fibes is, is just awesome because of, and it's also pretty unique because although he's a monster, he almost kind of falls into that, um, polymath, mad scientist, uh, Dr. Doom, Fu Manchu type character, the Joker that just seems to know how to do everything and anything and is ahead of everybody one step. Like, uh, um, uh, what, what was Sherlock Holmes? Uh, Moriarty. Moriarty. Like, he's that type of character. Like, he falls in that kind of archetype as well because, you know, he's a genius, clearly. He's getting away with all this stuff. And um, so that that that's another reason why this movie's a bit different um, from Count Yorga because, you know, uh, the character's almost a supervillain in a way on top of, you know, just being monstrous. And I know I'm kind of going off the rails and going a bit uh, ahead now, but this movie looks way, way, way better than Count Yorga. Although I doubt they had a, that much of a bigger budget, to be honest with you, because AIP, those guys were notorious for not spending money on their movies. <laughs> So, but uh, yeah, no, Vincent, I mean, this Vincent is definitely Price a low, is just amazing. Yeah, this is know? definitely a low budget production, but they do what they can. Like where they invest, it's effective, right? Yeah. Like we're not going to get a car chase or something crazy like that. But when we need some weird makeup, like like again, the Doctor Fibes when he takes off what is essentially a Vincent Price mask and reveals his face, it's effective for what it is, right? Like mm -hmm. it's not, it's not necessarily. Uh, the most uh, intense thing, but 
it's gross. It's it works, you know, or uh, yeah, yeah, or or some of the other like effects. Well, I was there. thinking of the sets, the yeah, sets again, themselves, true. And yeah, just yeah, the yeah. whole Art Deco thing, that whole vibe, and it it. You I know. mean, the fucking vibes, the vibes, mechanical band shit, all that. I didn't great. like that. Should, I love it. I, th- I those so are good. creepy, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, it reminded me of like the, the Clockwork the, Wizards. Yeah, like if you, it reminded me of like um. Oh, what the fuck is the name of the kids' pizza place that's like Chuck E. Cheese? It reminded me of like that, but like scary on purpose. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. Um, okay, Justin, we you've said a little bit here, but give, give us the full picture about Dr. Fives and like you know, uh, and and honestly, I, I don't think we've talked about this much. What you think of Vincent Price? Like, is is this like an outlier for you of a Vincent Price movie? Or? Absolutely not. I love. Uh, I saw um, when I was a kid. My mom got me a copy of I Am Legend for Christmas, like the book. Oh sure, and yeah, yeah. Mind you, this was like um, mid to late nineties, um, and. I think my dad was like, you know, they made a movie out of that. And I was like, oh, shit. And he was talking about The Last Man on Earth. Mm-hmm. And I had known who Vincent Price was. Even as a little kid, I mean, he was just this, like, even if I hadn't seen any of his movies, I knew who he was just because, like, it's fucking Vincent Price. Um, and I remember, like, watching The Last Man on Earth and just being like, this is so, this guy is so fucking cool. Like, I'm not, like, this massive Vincent Price fan, but... There's just something about him that brings this, like, how do I put it? Like, every movie he's in, he brings this really weird, um, classically tragic sadness to all of his roles, including this movie. And, uh, you know, I know he gets... Like we were talking about it earlier, he gets like a lot of people say he he can't really act and his whole thing is just being like over the top. But it's like, I don't know. I, I, I just think he 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 brings this like energy to movies that is this like quietly sad. um, Like. Like every one of his characters is like that. Um, so, you know, yeah, there, there was like the last one on Earth. um. You know, obviously, uh, like one of our when I was in college, like we used to watch uh, the house on Haunted Hill and like an inside joke between me and like my housemates was, oh, that's just my wife. You know, like the scene when there's the fucking iconic yeah, scene from yeah, yeah, yeah. and then he's just like, oh, that, don't worry, that that that's that's just my wife. Um, no, but I mean, like, I, I, like there's a reason he's iconic is because he has this like gravitas and this this. uh just this energy about him that is that is like there's no one like I don't think there's anyone else out there like that even like um like even Christopher Lee I don't think has it like there's just something like slinking and sad about him that I just find uh just so unique um and like even it's it's crazy that he slinks the way he does because you know Vincent Price was a large man. He was yeah. a large individual. He so when he hunches that way, you forget how big he is. It it makes it even more creepy in a way. Yeah, know? no, there's there's something there, there is something creepy 
about tall men not be like oh what was the fucking movie um it was like a relatively recent werewolf movie and we talked about it on here wolf cop <laughs> no it was uh there wolf was a cop in it. Hollow. yes 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 the scene where there's that guy at the end who's like seven feet tall but he he's always like walking like kind of like hunched over and then when he like stands up to his full height there's just something elementally spooky about that um and i think i i i think you're like with, with vincent price i think it's the same thing and it's that there's this like coiled energy there that he's just like you know it's not quite as like monstrous as like count orlock like you know vamping around his fucking castle um but he, yeah he's like a de- he's he's like a de- yeah he's like a deceptively big guy isn't he like vincent vincent price was yeah he's a big dude um, not quite Christopher Lee height, but definitely larger than a lot of the other actors that he's yeah. worked with, you know. Um, um, and even in this movie, like as soon as I saw the the mask that he like the the sideburns and the fucking mustache and the wig, and then when he's like talking to people and he's kind of doing like the ventriloquist thing, as soon as he started doing that, I was like, oh fuck, that's a they're gonna show like the mat. This is like I don't like this. This is like he's throwing his voice somehow. We're gonna see what's under that mask, and I'm gonna like fucking want to turn this movie off. And lo and behold, like even though I had seen the face before, even though it's on the poster, um, that that skeleton mask just really just got under my skin. And it's a story about love, which True I also love. liked. Yeah. His love I for mean, Carolyn Monroe. His love, who, who, who was the uh, Carolyn Monroe was the person that, um, in the photos, was his wife. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's it's about love. It's also about uh, his mistrusted hatred for the medical profession, uh, which <laughs> kind of works in the time. I mean, it, yeah. it it helps that this is a period piece, right? Like, it, 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 there's a certain time when this kind of makes sense. Um, uh, and and there's something so British about this. Like, this is an emergency, right? He's murdering these people, and there's this at first this feeling of we shouldn't take this too seriously until it becomes clear that they should take it seriously. And that it's none of us are taking this seriously enough. And I feel like this is even, even in the sense that like when they finally figure out where he's at and they go to stop him, there's so few police officers. Did you, that was one of the things I noticed, like they come in and they're trying to stop the, the acid from hitting the kid's face. And I'm like, shouldn't there be like, 10 times as many police officers there. Like, I just feel like th- there's been such a manhunt for Dr. Fives. It, it, I just love that they're like, yeah, we got like five guys. We're good. This is fine. This is a <laughs> well, sufficient it's, force. It's like the two detectives that were working on it. They sort of spent a lot of time talking about, you know, should we be worried about this? Are we worried about this? And then when they became alarmed, Joseph Cotton by that point was already like, you idiots, this is yeah. what's happening. You know, Joseph Cotton was the only person who was like trying to talk sense to anybody. I, I also like the idea that um, none of these British people in the early part of the 1900s could possibly know a one of the most famous stories from the Old Testament. And they have to literally find a rabbi to tell them God, who Moses dude, is. Like- and they got it wrong. I know, I know. 
I saw that. A professor of theology, and he got it wrong. Like, the order was wrong. Some of them were eliminated and replaced with certain plagues, you know. But I was I was there for I didn't really care. I didn't care that they got it wrong. No, 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 no. But just, but I thought it was a funny plot thing. It's, I mean, I think the fact, like, not only did they get it wrong, but it's like, it's like, first of all, their bats are not in the fucking Old Testament. They don't bring up bats at all. Be cooler if it was. It'd be a lot cooler if it was. But, I do love the fact that when they use the scene where the bats kill the guy, they're supposed to be vampire bats. But instead of getting, like, the grossest bats, which are vampire bats, they got the cutest possible bats. Like, flying foxes yeah. are, like, the most friendly, adorable, lovable bats you can it have. It literally looks like a scene where he's about to be cuddled to death. It like, really I get does. that they're, they're about to fuck him up, but when it's crawling up him and it's supposed to be so horrifying, I'm like... Look at that little buddy. Give there's a, a reason those a things kiss. are clo- there's a reason those things are colloquially known as sky puppies is because they have the temperaments of dogs. And it's just like there's like ten he's like, No, help me someone in the and these things are just like vaguely licking him. And it, uh, it <laughs> I don't I, I just like, I mean I literally I, in that scene was like, um are they starved? What's happening right yeah. now? But I, I also like the idea that one of the most important aspects of his murder plot is to boil the right Brussels sprouts to attract the locusts to this woman's face. Also that you could drip that much of whatever that is onto her. Without her she, waking up. She doesn't wake up. She's just encased in green goo. And then the locusts can eat her. It's un- I was it's- I was so there for it though I did not care I was willing yeah, no, to just none, go, none, go none for it. it so no, awesome. let's let's be let's be clear this is a heightened re- it's not just that this is campy in the sense of every line even the most serious lines of the movie are often delivered by someone who it feels like they might as well be winking directly into the camera like <laughs> everything is totally over the top but also it's not just the performances. The whole thing is a heightened reality. So you can't yeah. go in being like, well, it's not very believable that he did. We're already accepting that this is a man who has cheated death, who has this this assistant that they never really explain, um, and who just takes his face off. And, and even the idea that like um, he he has to consume things through the neck of whatever the mask is or whatever. That whole thing is done to be weird and creepy. So like the idea that anyone could watch this and be like, I just feel like the locust part was not that believable. There's nothing believable about this movie. That's not why you're watching it. You're watching it because it's ridiculous in the best possible way. And yet also upsetting at certain points. Again, I don't want to overhype that aspect of it, but like if you're watching this thinking it's just going to be fun and yucks the whole time, Listen, uh, he, he's, it's not he's, that. He sewed a key into the body cavity of a child and made his uh, yeah, father yeah. operate yeah. on him to get it out. Like that's kind of fucked up. But one of the, a couple things came to mind as I was watching again this time is that a lot of the quote unquote science and the way it looked and the way it felt reminded me of a less serious version of the way Alan Moore portrayed England in League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Like that whole like well yeah of course this I mean isn't exists. it the, the same the, time period like the like, exa- like early exact, in the century. Yeah, yeah exactly and like the whole idea of him being able to plug a a quarter inch jack into his neck so he could talk reminds me of that sort of yeah. like we're gonna we're gonna make this the super science of the time. 
you know, so that was kind of cool. And it also, that is a great explanation. This is a super science movie in a way like this. He is a comic book villain. All the movies lacking exactly. is a comic book hero to fight him because Joseph no Cotton one ain't cutting it. <laughs> yeah. No, no one in this movie has their shit together. Enough. I mean, the, the doctor at the end kind of like, he at least, you know, does what he needs to do. But for the most part, everyone in this movie is they don't have their shit together. Like you, you inevitably have to root for Dr. Fives, even though nothing I think ab- you're supposed to, you know, well, I mean, but, but nothing about his revenge is justified. You really root for him because everyone else is so fucking inept. How could you root for them? You can't root for the Keystone cops. You just can't, right? Like you hey, got to root for there are Cleveland Browns fans in the world. So I'm just telling no, you. No, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> uh, but, but I just mean in the sense of it's, it's not just that he's the only one who knows what's going on in the world. It's also that Vincent Price is so charming and yeah. the, these cops. Some of they, those side eye glances and the eye rolls are just, uh-huh, just uh-huh. perfect. You it's know. fun. I, I mean, that's the thing. It is a straight up funny movie. It's it's not like just uh, a horror movie that has some sense of 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 humor to it. It's actually f- ridiculously funny at certain points. While it also, as, as much as all these characters are heightened and arch in their own way, uh, it's still trying to be a bit spooky, you know. Yeah. And I think it manages that really well. Uh, one of the funnier scenes is uh, Terry Thomas, the actor playing, I can't remember which doctor was, he's trying to uh, scoot his housekeeper out so he can watch porn on yes. his uh, movie camera. And then at one point he's, he's cranking the, uh, the, the film projector, which, you know, read, read into that, whatever you want. And then uh, Volnavia, the assistant appears and he's still turning the crank, but it's not attached to the <laughs> movie camera. It's just hysterical. Um, the other thought that came to mind when I was thinking about like the super science, but portrayed from that time period was that I, I don't think that this is a d- direct influence, but I'd be surprised if the people who created the Saw franchise didn't see this film. Yeah, because of the the elaborate ways he was killing that makes these people. Sense. Yeah, 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 not not they weren't necessarily traps, and it wasn't the same motive, but just the whole idea of I'm going to kill this list of people, and this is why, and all this is going to be way too elaborate, and it's just you know that sort of thing. Um, so I mean that reminded me of that a little bit. I know it's not uh, an apples to apples comparison, but it came to mind. Um, you know, a super villain, essentially a, a guy who's smarter than everybody is just killing people off, you know? So, um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I think it's a great movie. I think people should do themselves a favor watching this. The second, uh, film in the series, Dr. Fives Rises Again is equally funny. And Robert Quarry is in that one. He plays his nemesis. Yeah, um, I'm going to have to check that out. Yeah. It, it's, it's not. Well, I don't want to say it's equally fun. It's really, really fun. It's not as fun as this one. Um, he somehow ends up with another mute assistant that's <laughs> beautiful. I don't know how that works out. I mean, where where you know, where are these people at in the world that, you know, are just good looking assistants for supervillains? I don't know. I don't I don't know where they came from, but he has another one in the second film. So <laughs> no. Um 
But yeah, I, I really like this movie. I just would encourage anybody to just take a chance. Even if you only like modern horror, man, just, um, I, I, this might sound like I might be doing the film a disservice by saying this, but just, um, you know, just turn off your brain for a second and just have fun with it. You know, um, I know that phrase might sound like it's doing a disservice, but if that's what it takes to get you into it, then just do it, you know, cause you, it's well worth it. I agree. I wholeheartedly agree. All right. So that was the abominable Dr. Fibes. And that is the end of the episode. Larry, thank you so much. Uh, dude, thanks for the chat with us. Thanks for having me on. I've been a fan for a little bit and, uh, just kind of, uh, wanted to get on and talk about movies and I don't get an, I don't get a chance to talk about films too much. Uh, you know, Matt Sorg from Ringworm and I have like an ongoing thread where we talk about monster movies all the time, but that's really the only chance I get to talk about them. So um, I'm still, this is a lot of fun. I'm working up the nerve to ask the human furnace to be on here one day. Ask him. He'll do it. He'll fucking do it. He, 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 and you know what? This is his favorite movie. This is really? his absolute favorite movie. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's his favorite movie. Okay, okay. J- James, James will probably do it. He's really super sweet guy, super approachable. He actually has the largest collection. Oh no, this isn't his favorite movie. Creature of the Black Lagoon is because um, he has the largest collection of Creature of the Black Lagoon memorabilia of any human being I've ever met. Like he has straight up tons of memorabilia from Creature of the Black Lagoon. That's fucking. He, dope. he loves talking about movies, so you guys should ask him. Um. Where could people find more of your stuff or like your bands, your podcasts? Where could they go to check that out? Uh, okay. So there are uh Bandcamp profiles for Splinter, the unholy three and Don Austin. Just put them in there and they'll come up. Uh, all that stuff is free because I mean, I got charged for stuff that happened 30 years ago. That's fucking stupid. <laughs> um, uh, Persistent Aggressor also has a Bandcamp presence, but that stuff there is a charge for because we still have vinyl and things like that available, shirts and patches and all that, all that good stuff. All the ephemera that comes with being in a metallic hardcore band. Um, the podcast, Bleach Mouth Postscript, is uh, you can find it on Apple, Spotify, and whatever other podcatcher. Uh, I try to do at least two episodes a month. Sometimes I get three up, sometimes I get four, sometimes I only get one. But, you know, I'm a school teacher, so my time is, is kind of tight sometimes. So, um, but uh, you can find that uh, again on those or at the there's a website, bleachmouth.mkultrazine.com. And all the episodes are up on that and it's free and it's there. And it's just, you know, I just have people on. We talk about music. I haven't picked five records or songs, whatever they want to talk about. And I, we just go. And it's a lot of fun. I mean, I try not to, you know, beat anybody over the head with like obscure knowledge and try to be it. That's not what the show is about. It's just conversations with friends about stuff we really like so i had a yeah. lot of fun when i was on it it's a good it's a good time show it was it, it was a lot of fun we i had a good time so um but again i appreciate you guys having me on of course the pleasure was all on the side as they say in office space it was all on the side <laughs> all right so you can head to cinepunks.com to check out more episodes of this podcast and a few other ones including liam's you know liam does like fucking seven thousand other podcasts just two. I don't know why I'm saying it like that. Um, I don't know what you're talking about. You're whatever. You can head to Rough Cut Fan Club Shirts, uh, buttfuckers.com. What is it, Liam? Rough Cut, rough cut Shirts? Roughcutfanclub.com. Roughcutfanclub.com for Liam's t shirts. Uh, head to patreon.com, bash that to become a patron. <laughs> 
And be sure to check out www.xlvacx, www.essexcoffeeroasters.com, and www.dot. Fuck, I am like a mess right now. www.mechanicalsharkmedia.com to check out some of the services provided by our lovely uh, sponsors of the show. And until next time, fuck the governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, for pardoning that guy who killed that protester. He's going to burn in hell, and he sucks. Yeah, I'm done with that. <laughs> Do you scan the night sky in search of unidentified aerial phenomena? Do you lose sleep over strange projects funded by the CIA? Ever wonder which orifices ectoplasm comes out of? Come explore the unexplained and unexplainable with us on our podcast, Weird, Obscure, and Possibly Unsafe. We'll talk about telepomancy, haunted railroads, sentient umbrella spirits, mind-altering video games, remote viewing, Spongebob conspiracy theories, and only gets weirder from there. Each episode will share three stories about all the weird things they tell you not to believe. Weird, obscure, and possibly unsafe. Available anywhere you get your podcasts. Hey! Hey!